If you can open them to that passage that we read in Matthew chapter 27. section we are going to think about the the reality of of Jesus uh, facing uh, the darkness of the cross. Uh, The American singer-songwriter Bonnie Prince Billy uh, wrote a song uh, called I See a Darkness. Uh, And in that uh, song there is the the repeated refrain, the question really, um, did you know how much Uh, I love you. Is there hope that somehow you can save me from this darkness? And I think many people can uh, relate to this reality. Life is difficult, at times incredibly challenging. There is a darkness in our world that sometimes feels overwhelming. There is a darkness within us. Uh, at at times that seems quite overwhelming. And in those points, we maybe find ourselves asking, is there someone, is there something that can save me, that can bring hope in this moment? Where can I go to find peace when the darkness falls? And so what we discover here is, is wonderful good news because here we see Jesus, the Son of God, coming into the world as the light of the world, but willingly entering into a a deep darkness. And in this act and through the darkness of the cross, God's love shines and we have hope. When we face storms, difficulties, challenges, we have hope. Because of a saviour who went into the darkness for us. So we will spend some time thinking about what the darkness of the cross meant for Jesus and the significance that that has for us today. Uh, We're going to look back a little bit to the Exodus story uh, to see how Jesus' death and resurrection is the climax of God's great story of redemption. And we're going to see how beyond the darkness of the cross, God's light breaks through, bringing hope for the world. But let's begin by reminding us ourselves of these words in Matthew 27, verse 45 and 46. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So we are thinking about the darkness. Um, history is littered with moments of unspeakable darkness and evil. We, we don't need to go very far back to think about the, I mean, the humanitarian crisis in Syria is, is awful. The attacks in Paris what happened in Leytonstone? All of these things are acts of evil and darkness. And our personal lives too can sometimes feel like we are under a cloud, that we are overshadowed by 
darkness, that whether that comes in the form of, of tragedy, whether it's long-term illness, whether it's loss of one kind or another, whether it's the darkness of sin, either sin that we have committed that, that, that kind of haunts us, or sin that is committed against us, that leaves us with scars. There is darkness. And so here we find Jesus at Mount Calvary, our creator and our king, Jesus Christ, the son of God, walking into a darkness. And it's a darkness deeper than anything we will go through. Because his darkness is at the same time a a literal one. It is an oppressive one because it is a supernatural darkness which is sent by God, his Father. When we read in the book of Exodus, we read about um, the, the penultimate plague that God sent on Egypt for refusing to let Israel go, that darkness that fell for three days. It fell in judgment on Egypt. God's people, Israel, lived in the light. But what's shocking when we come to the cross is that it is God's Son on whom the darkness falls. The dark cloud of God's anger and judgment comes on his son Jesus. He is surrounded by murderers and mockers and hate, people who are filled with hate. But it's on Jesus that the anger, that the darkness falls. This is no solar eclipse. This is three hours of darkness in the middle of the day when the sun is shining at its brightest normally, but here this unnatural darkness falls. When we look at the Old Testament prophets in Joel, the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2 and Amos chapter 8, they both describe the sun being blotted out as a symbol Uh, pointing to God's judgment falling on rebel sinners. But here on the cross, what we see is that judgment falling on the perfect and sinless Son of God. And Jesus feels that weight, the crushing weight of God's judgment. In every prayer of Jesus that is recorded in the Gospels, he always addresses God as Father, except here on the cross, where he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The eternal Son of God, who has eternally enjoyed perfect fellowship and love, feels abandoned. But notice, the sense of despair is not total. Still, he prays. Still, he trusts. My God, my God. When Jesus agreed to drink that symbolic cup of God's anger and to drink it to the dregs, when he agreed to become the sin bearer for the world, he knew this time would come. He knew the darkness would fall. And praise God, he was willing for it to fall. 
To return to the Exodus story, the plague that followed the darkness was the death of the firstborn of Egypt. Israel would be spared, but only if the Passover lamb was sacrificed as a substitute, only if the blood was sprinkled on the doorposts. That was the only way to freedom to become the people of God. And so here on the cross, we are seeing what that sacrifice points forward to. It almost brings the two together because Jesus is the son who is also the sacrifice. He is the one whose blood is spilled to cover, to wash away sin. So that he becomes our only hope of freedom and salvation. So let's just think for a moment about some of the lessons that we can draw from this darkness that we need to think about. The first is this, that sin requires judgment. As people, we have uh, an instinct where when we are wronged or when we see things go on in our world that are just evil, we want justice. Sometimes we don't give that right to God and and we forget that God is holy and that because each and every person that has ever lived has broken God's law in any number of ways, that that sin requires justice for broken law and for rebellion. And so one of the things that we are seeing here in the darkness of the cross is that Jesus is facing that judgment for us. He is becoming our substitute. He is facing the full weight of God's anger against sin. And he is doing it not for anything that he has done. He is doing it for us. And so the second thing that that reminds us of is that sin is a serious business. If we take ourselves all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, it was sin, it was human pride and rebellion that brought curse into the world, that brought death into the world. So that while we may try and take sin lightly, that we can be very good at justifying ourselves or or minimizing the things that we have done or always finding somebody who is acting in a way that is far worse than us, God does not take sin lightly. Jesus felt that weight. Jesus was made the worst of sinners. Those things that we try and excuse Ourselves for Jesus died for those things. Jesus felt the penalty of those things, dying under its curse and facing its sentence of death. Another thing that we discover is that sin involves separation from God. Jesus felt those hours of isolation and they hurt you and i were made for relationship with our god with our creator so that we might call god our father 
But the problem is that, that our sin creates a barrier. That sin creates hostility, that God is angry with us for our sin, and we are angry at God, and we want to control things ourselves. And so the reality is that, that our only hope of living in that relationship, of enjoying intimacy, is if we look to Jesus for rescue. If we trust that he will deal with our sin. Because if not, the darkness that we will experience will be total. The darkness of God's anger, that isolation that we feel now, will become an eternal reality, separate from God and all that is good, if we do not trust in Jesus, the light of the world. We also see that God's love shines through the darkness. It's one of the the amazing things about the cross that, that God is able to demonstrate his perfect justice in dealing with sin, but also to demonstrate his perfect, amazing love to us. In, in that we see God the Father willingly sending his Son uh, to die for us. We see Jesus committing himself, setting his face towards the cross, knowing that it's the only way that we could be rescued. Lots of people around the cross were mocking Jesus, calling on Jesus to save himself, but Jesus knows he cannot save himself because he wants to save his people. And so we discover that God's love provides our escape from darkness. That darkness representing God's judgment against human sin. The cross, when we think about the significance of the cross, it involves what Martin Luther described as the great exchange, where Jesus takes our sin, Jesus takes our debt, Jesus faces the justice that should be ours, so that God is fully satisfied with the payment that, that Jesus has made, so that God will never demand that we pay for our sin if we are trusting that Jesus has fully dealt with our sin. And at the same time as dealing with our sin, Jesus also credits to us, gifts us, his perfect righteousness. So yes, as Christians, we are aware that we are sinners, that we mess up, but... Jesus enters the darkness so that by God's grace we know that we are forgiven sinners, that we are sons and daughters of the King. And so the last lesson I want to take from the darkness is that Jesus understands darkness and he is with us in ours. Um, I read recently uh, the story of a lady from Tanzania a lady by the name of Mary Lunyamila. This was a lady whose husband uh, was in charge of security in their church in Tanzania, and he was murdered uh, while uh, protecting uh, the people inside. And this is what Mary has to say about her experience. And many people look at that and say, well, where was God? How is God caring for her? Well, here is her testimony. She said, I see God caring for us day by day. 
My children and I have not been forsaken. This is somebody who knows that Jesus walks with us through pain and suffering. When you think of Jesus going to the cross, he walked alone. He faced the pain alone. He carried the weight alone so that we never have to. If we trust in Jesus, we know he is always with us, that he is there with us, whatever darkness we face. So that's the darkness. Uh, But then we're thinking about the light. We're thinking about the dawn. Um, We recognize um, just from the way the narrative is written that there was this time of darkness, but that Jesus dies in the light. Because we see in verse 48 that somebody is running, they're collecting a sponge, they're able to give it to Jesus. So we know that Jesus dies in the light. And we know that Jesus dies knowing that his mission is accomplished. When it says in verse 50, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. That was a cry of victory. He knew that his work was finished. He voluntarily, deliberately gave up his life knowing his work was done. That work to save people from sin. And what follows in Matthew's account is a signal that this event, the death of Jesus, marks a great turning point in history and in the history of God's salvation of his people. So if the darkness is is powerful, so too are these first bursts of light that we see shining through. And so here's the first thing that we recognize in verse 51 At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. Jesus dies and immediately his death opens up access to God. That massive curtain in the temple, as thick as a man's hand, is torn in two from top to bottom. This is God's initiative. This is God's doing. In case there's any doubt, he sends an earthquake to say to us, God is at work. Uh, for the for the children here, when we think about the the curtain in the temple. It functioned as a a no-entry sign. There was a point to which the people could not get past. Um, We live beside a a school which has become a building site uh, for the last few months. Uh, And there's a great big sign on the outside of the school uh, that says, no entry uh, unless you're wearing uh, your hard hat and unless you've got permission to be on the building site. There are some places that we are not able to go into. And so the Bible teaches that because of our sin, we cannot really be near to God by ourselves. It's just not possible. But one of the wonderful things about what Jesus came to do is he came to get rid of that no entry sign. So that because of our faith in Jesus... We know that we can be friends of God. We can be part of the family of God because Jesus has opened that way for us. We can think about Jesus here functioning as a high priest, remembering that he has just 
given himself as that perfect once and for all sacrifice. And through that sacrifice, we are now able uh, to enter into the presence of God. And not only that, we remember that Jesus right now is constantly interceding for his people. He's constantly making our prayers perfect, giving us that right, giving us that privilege to draw near to God. And so the result of the death of Jesus is that we can have confidence to enter into God's presence. That now because of Jesus, intimacy and fellowship with God are possible. Jesus feels abandoned in the darkness so that we can be adopted into the family of God. And so maybe you come here today and you're asking the question, can someone like me be accepted by God? And the answer is absolutely. It does not matter your past. It does not matter your present. The cross speaks a word of welcome. And the, the torn curtain says, yes, sinners can now enter into the presence of God if we have faith in Jesus to deal with our sin, to wash us, and to make us new people. The second uh, kind of flash of light that we see in the account of Matthew is that Jesus' death and resurrection guarantees resurrection life. So have a look with me at verses 52 and 53. It's a very dramatic uh, little story. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection... They went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So the earthquake, God's active presence, it serves to tear the curtain and it serves to open the tombs of some of God's servants. And so Matthew is painting for us a vivid picture of what the death and the resurrection three days later means for God's people. Jesus secures for his followers eternal life. Jesus' death secures for his people freedom from the curse of slavery to sin and death. And his resurrection gives us that gift, that promise of new life now with God and that future certainty of eternal life in the presence of God, enjoying resurrection life. So if the curtain torn in two represents a deeper relationship with God that is now made possible, then surely the empty tomb says to us this, that that relationship that we can enter into is something that we will enjoy forever beyond death. And that's one of the great hopes of the Christian faith, that hope of being with our Savior, of being made like him, of seeing him as he is, enjoying perfect life in the presence of God forever. And Jesus' death and resurrection secures that for his people. In our darkness, when trouble comes, where is our hope? Where do we go? Well, in Jesus Christ, we have access to our loving Father in heaven. We have a saviour 
who sympathizes with us and walks with us to strengthen us. And we have a Savior who has guaranteed for us an eternal future, free of any sin, free of any darkness, where there is only light, where there is only the glory of God. And that's great hope in difficult times. And the last uh, beam of light that we see in this account of the death of Jesus, we find in verse 54, when we see that the death of Jesus brings new understanding. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Um, So in verse 47 and verse 48, we meet some uh, Israelites. Uh, We're brought up uh, with the Bible. We're brought up with all those kind of privileges. But they do not see who Jesus is. They do not understand what is going on. They are full of misunderstanding. But then we see from this Roman centurion and his friends an understanding as to the real identity of Jesus. Matthew is often described as the Jewish gospel written for the people of Israel. But here again we get this reminder that the gospel is for the nations. And so the gospel is for um, the people who murder Jesus, the people whose job it is to execute Jesus. Again, if we think back to the Exodus story, uh, the pattern goes uh, like this. There is the darkness, which is plague nine. There is the death of the firstborn, which is plague 10. There's the Passover lamb. And then there is freedom. Freedom for Israel to become the worshipping people of God. And here in these Roman soldiers, we see that same pattern. Jesus gives himself to the darkness. Jesus is the son who dies under God's judgment, while at the same time being the Passover lamb who secures that reality that judgment can pass over his people. And the outcome is life and freedom and light. For people like the centurion who will look to Jesus, who will understand this is who Jesus is, this is what the cross means. There is light for those who look on Jesus and recognize that he is the savior of the world. And so I wonder, is that you today? Are you looking to Jesus with the eyes of faith, able to see him as he really is? What we see in this story is that light always overcomes the darkness. To go back to to that song of Bonnie Prince Billy and that, that question that so many of us have, is there somebody who can save us? Well, the answer here is absolutely yes, there is. The only one who can truly save us is Jesus, and he is the Son of God. And he is the one who went through the darkness for us. And so he can save us from our darkness of sin and shame and suffering because he carried and because he went under it and so our hope in troubled times 
is found here. It's found in this amazing good news that, that God the Father was willing to send his son Jesus, that Jesus was willing to come and enter into the world that he created to experience our darkness and our pain, to achieve that victory over the power of darkness for his people at the cross. As Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray together.